Hey, welcome to the Ocean Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope today's message encourages you and reminds you that God is working in your life. Enjoy today's message. Hey, everybody. As you join me in standing, will you help me welcome our Cape Coral family? Cape, love you. Come on. We're going to lean in together. Hey, I got I to gotta say something, something uh, really fun. They're watching online. It is my parents' 50th wedding anniversary. It's awesome. It's awesome. So to a very strong woman and to a very extroverted man who personally knows everyone at both campuses, we say happy anniversary. It is awesome. All right, we're going to continue. I'll go ahead. Sorry, you guys were being so nice and polite. I interrupted you. Mom and dad, they were trying to clap again for you, so just so you know. Hey, there we go. <laughs> oh, so good. All right, our, our keynote verse for this series is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 6. So follow with me as we walk through it. Remember this. A farmer who, only, who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all that you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ, and they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given you. Thank God for this gift, too wonderful for words. Come on in Cape, here in Estero, let's bring our hearts to the Lord. God, right now, Lord, the, these moments are moments that you want to impress your heart upon ours. And so, Lord, in entirety and all that we are, we bring our lives to you. Holy Spirit, may this be a time a moment, filled with moments of revelation, not just information, Lord, that you would impress upon our hearts your purpose, your heart for us. We worship you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So I, I want to be, be good about just jumping right in. We are going to, to cover the subject of tithing today. And, and we, we began this series last week on uh, the generosity of God and his heart and how that is to be reflected into our hearts. And really, I asked you a question last week, and I said, what is your vision for giving? 
Because God has purpose for our lives and the outflow of our lives that looks different than simply being reactive when we encounter moments where do I give, do I not give? You know, we're kind of in that, that season, we're approaching the season, the bell ringers are going to be in front of Publix, the cashiers are going to be asking you, hey, do you want to donate to this? Do you want to donate to this? And we can get in those moments like, ah, uh, who's behind me in line? Is the cashier really laying it on thick? And we get in this place of, of being reactive. And what we're asking God to do is to meet each one of us so that in our hearts, not reluctantly or by pressure, by manipulation, we would have a vision for giving that would be where God has invited us to be in a place of cheerful giving. That only comes from a vision that we know is in line with the purposes of God for our lives. And so tithing is one of those, those hot topic, but, you know, uh, topics that, that people sometimes struggle with. And, and I, I just want to point us back to this place. Verse 7 in 2 Corinthians tells us, you must, eat, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. This is a heart place. I, I'm going to present the word of God to you, and then you're going to take that word and let it fill your hearts, and you're going to decide from that place. So I have an affirmation. I don't know if you start your day with affirmations. You stand in front of the mirror, and you go, you are beautiful. <laughs> you're going to make it. You're not afraid of those kids. <laughs> so I have an affirmation for us when we begin. Ready? So follow along with me. I will not allow my theology to be built by those who have abused scripture. That's a great affirmation, isn't it? The less polite way to say it is, I will not allow my theology to be built by morons. So you may have experienced abuses when it comes to teaching about giving. Do not allow your theology to be shaped by those abuses. Do not, do, not, do not allow your theology to be shaped by you being reactionary going like, here's the abuse, so I'm going to go over here. We go to the Word of God and the gift of the Holy Spirit speaking to us that from his word, our vision for given, giving is taken and lived out. So that is my commitment to you. We're going to jump into this, and we're going to live from what the word of God says. So tithing, let's define it. This is what we see in, in, in scripture. This is what tithing is. The giving or bringing of a tenth part of all of our income, a tenth part of what has come in from an inferior to a superior. It is the bringing of a tenth, this, this percentage, that, that's what the tithe means, that's what that word means, it is a tenth part. And, and so I just want to ask you this as we, we begin to walk through this, am I present in tithing? And, and, and you'll understand that, that's my title for today, is, is being present in tithing. And th this is something I believe the Holy Spirit is going to refresh. Some of you have given and, and you've been a, a, a tither for years and years and years, and yet there's a place of freshness, of intimacy with God that he's inviting you to that I believe God's going to meet you with. Some of you have wrestled with this, and God's going to free you with that wrestle, and you're going to step in and watch how he meets you in this. So let's walk through it. So one of the things that's said about tithing is that tithing comes from the law. And Christ came to free us from the curse of the law. 
And there are parts of that that are wonderful. Do you know that, that tithing, if you didn't tithe, there was capital punishment involved in that. So praise God, we are not under the law anymore. Amen. I thought there'd be a better amen. Maybe they're really excited. <laughs> okay. But there can be this argument, tithing comes from the law. And so uh, we're not under the law. Correct, we're not under the law. But tithing does not come from the law. Tithing begins with Abraham. Tithing predates the law. The law first mentioned that we find in doctrinal study, the first place that we see tithing is found right here in Genesis chapter 14. Genesis chapter 14, verse 17, it says, After Abram returned from his victory over Kedor Lamar and all his allies, the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Shava. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, and a priest of God Most High brought Abram some bread and wine. Melchizedek blessed Abram with this blessing. Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High who has defeated your enemies for you. Then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. So we, we, we see Abram. Abram is simply in process with God. God has engaged with him. He was a pagan going about his life. God engages, steps in first. This is before any covenant has started. It's actually the next chapter, chapter 15, that God establishes a covenant with Abraham. And one of the things that happens is we, we step into a vision for giving and generosity in the heart of God. We're able to see how he was at work in our lives before we had any awareness of his hand and his goodness. I'm able to look back, and, and when I was running from God, I can look back and see the times and the places that he was covering and he was protecting and he was meeting me, even though I was doing everything I could to avoid him. Abram is, is walking this out. He, he is just going like, I, I'm trying to obey and respond to you and, 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 and do what you've called me to do. And so in this place, he encounters this character, King of Salem, named Melchizedek. It's the first place that we see tithing. This is significant because we see from this, this person of Abram, soon to be Abraham, we find that this moment is affirmed by the writer of the book of Hebrews. So first, it, it, tithing begins with Abraham. Secondly, it's affirmed by the writer of Hebrews. Look in chapter 7 of Hebrews, verse 1, it says, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of kings and blessed him. And to him, Abraham apportioned a tenth part of everything. He is first, by translation of his name, king of righteousness, and then he is also king of Salem, that is, king of peace. He is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, he continues a priest forever. So interesting. This character, Melchizedek, the writer of Hebrews says he doesn't have a beginning, he doesn't have an ending. And theologians go back and forth about this, like, is this a type of Christ? Or is this actually Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, stepping in in the Old Testament? Do you know that, that Jesus didn't wait until the New Testament to step into humanity? He actually says these words. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but he says these words, no man has seen the Father. 
And then we go back in the Old Testament and there's these moments where God is encountering man and, and, and we have these moments with Melchizedek and we have these different moments and, and we're, we're like, well, is that, that must be the father. No, Jesus said, and, and I think he has a practice of not lying. He said, no man has seen the father. And, and so this, at the very minimum, is a type of Christ that we see Abraham responding to God according to the way that God had filled his life with blessings. And there's, this brings us to some, some amazing truths that whether or not it is Christ stepping in or whether it is a type and a, a symbol for you and I to, to live by of Christ, we have Abram that is responding to God. He is responding to God. He is responding to this place where, where I want you to know that when you give, when you choose to tithe, you are not choosing to tithe to a church, to a man, to an organization. Jesus Christ is the one that receives the tithes of his people. And we get in these moments where it can be so disillusioning. And listen, it is, it is disappointing, but do not allow it to be disillusioning. It can be disappointing to see abuses in leadership. Do not allow that to shape your theology. Allow your theology to come. Now listen, if this is all we had, Genesis 14 and Hebrews 7, that is enough to build strong theology for tithing. But that's not all. I thought it was funny because it goes with like a infomercial. <laughs> follow me? There is more. How's that? So Abraham, he, he, he passes this down to Isaac, and then he passes it down to his grandson. All of this is significant because the writer of Romans, Paul, tells you and I in chapter 4 that we are not sons and daughters of Moses in the law, but we are sons and daughters of Abraham. If you grew up in the church in the 80s and 90s, you know this song. Sing it with me if you know it. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons have Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord, right arm, left arm. Isn't that awesome? Now here, the best part of all of this, the best part of all of this is like all of the, the young people are just staring at us like, like, what are you talking? Listen, read Romans 4. It'll all make sense. Romans 4 says that being part of the, the, the grafted into the family of God, the covenant of God with Abraham, means that you and I are free from the works of the law determining our righteousness before God. But because Abraham looked at God and says, I choose to believe in you, God says you're righteous. It is by faith through grace that we are righteous. And listen, you can't take it for salvation and then go like, eh. I don't know about the tithing part. We are all in the covenant of God with Abraham. And so this is passed down. Abraham passes it down to Isaac. And then his grandson, Jacob, again, this, this pattern of running from God, running from his identity. He, he was ashamed of who he was, just confused, and he's running. And he gets to a place called Lutz. And he gets to Lutz. This is Genesis 28. And he, he's there. And he encounters God. God meets a man that is running from him, is confused about who he is. 
And again, the generosity of God, not waiting until we get ourselves together, not waiting until we look right, not waiting until we're, we're solid in our identity, but stepping in to meet us in the place that we are. He encounters Jacob, and Jacob's in this place going, oh my goodness, despite of everything I am, you have stepped in and you've identified yourself saying, I'm not just the God of your grandfather, I'm not just the God of your father, but I'm your God and I'm here and I will be with you. Jacob comes out of this, this dream, this vision, and he goes, surely God is in this place. This can't be known as Lutz. Lutz is a terrible name for this area. He says, I now name it, this, I'm going to name it Bethel. What is Bethel? House of El, house of God. So significant that, that he would do that. This is the same phrase that Paul uses again and again and again, talking about you and I as living stones being built together into the house of God. And it's in that place that, that he, he recognizes, I've encountered God. How does he respond? He responds by saying, a tenth of all I have, I will give. A tenth of all I have. God establishing this with Abraham, affirming it in Hebrews, Jacob doing the same thing, that as the house of God, a tenth. So there, there, there would be enough for you and I to build theology from these places outside the law. And, and I think so many times we get to the law and we go, okay, this is when it gets ugly. That's a terrible way to look at it. Listen, it's all the word of God from beginning to end. And the Holy Spirit wants you to encounter and see Jesus through every expression, every place that he fills every word of this book. So we get to the law and it doesn't go downhill. It goes to this wonderful, beautiful expression where this practice that was instituted by Abraham that Jacob picked up, it goes through to the children of Israel as they come out of Egypt. God meets with them and he gives them two things. He gives them the law and he gives them the land. And it's significant because tithing is, is integral in this part. It, it's, it's woven through. And he, as he divides the land and he tells them, hey, as you go into the land, he says that, listen, everybody's going to have a portion of land except for the Levites. You, you know who the Levites were? They were the priests. They were the pastors. And instead of you just, just going like, oh, that's you, Josh. No, here, here's what the New Testament says. Peter says, that's all of us. We now are a kingdom of priests. And what it is, is that the kingdom of priests, this tribe of Levites, everybody else got land. Everybody else was living by this agricultural means. And the Levites were in this place where they were not given land. They were given the covenant relationship with God that he was their portion. And so every, every year, the, 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 what their family needed came from the tithes of the children of Israel. And so the law, the law institutes this, and we see this, this expression that goes, and there's so many fascinating places that you can see. Uh, I want to highlight a couple. And so from this place, because, because this is what we're asking God to do. Jesus says you can't serve God and mammon. What is mammon? Mammon is the spirit of the world that will keep you in fear 
so that you view your possessions and money from a fear place, from a fear-based place going, I, I, I got to do what I think I need to do with it. And God said, listen, I, I want to shatter that in your life. I want to free you from the spirit of mammon so that you would know me in the way that I provide, that I am your source. So there's so many cool places to, that, that goes from this. Deuteronomy 14, Moses talks about this instance. Because sometimes there's an argument like, hey, hey, that was for the, the agricultural community there. And so tithing was there because you just bring, you, you, they would bring wheat and they would bring barley and they would bring uh, their livestock. And so now that, that we're in a, a, you know, mostly a, a cash-based culture now, that, that was for then. It's different now. Except that there was cash then. And there's these, these amazing instances. So let's say... Let's say that, that it was time for uh, the tithe. Now, it was a yearly practice. They would, they would, there would be harvest, and then from that place of recognizing the blessing of God, they would bring their tithe to the worship center. And so let's say that, that you've invited my family over for dinner, and you knew, you know how my son eats. So let me tell you how my son eats. Anna made this beautiful spread of steak tacos the other night. I mean, there, there was couple of different kinds of pico, and there was avocados, and onions, and cilantro, and all, I mean, just this beautiful spread. My son, it was probably, it was a, it was a very proud moment for me as a father. He ignored all of it. He slapped a corn tortilla on his plate, never touched the tortilla, and covered his plate in strips of steak. That was it. It was beautiful. Listen, so much so that like I'm sitting next to Anna and he's right here, somehow positioned himself right in front of the steak. And I would just grab pieces when he wasn't looking. And there was so much steak on his plate, he never had an idea. He never noticed. <laughs> so Brooksy, he, lo he loves his steak. So you're, you've invited us over and you go like, Ugh, I don't know if we're going to have enough steak. Brooks is coming for dinner. So Deuteronomy 14 gives us this provision of what you do in that scenario. That, that Moses says, hey, if you want, you can buy back with cash the tithe. But he says this, there's a 20% markup. And so when you, you say, what cash did they have? Shil silver shekels, baby. That's it. it was silver shekels at the time. You brought the cash and you, you brought what, what covered your tithe, the 10%, and then you added an additional 20% so that you could keep that part if you wanted that. It's fascinating to me. There, there, there's provisions like this, where if you are 100 miles away from, from where you bring the tithe, what, what became the temple, if you're 100 miles away and you're, you're way in the north and, and, and you don't know, man, it's just not a good time for us to go where there's like, 10 women in the, in the village and they're all pregnant and, and so none of us want to make that trip. There's a provision that you come together and you take the tithe and you give it to the Levites and they use that to, to create a festival of celebration for the goodness of God. And there, there is this place where it is unmistakable for God's people to recognize how he provides. The purpose that we see throughout Scripture are these two main purposes. The purpose of the tithe, primarily a way to meet the economic needs of the worship center, 
So that is the, the, the tabernacle and then what became the temple. That is the, the covering of usually what was around 26,000 male Levites and their families. Providing for them and secondarily a way to care for marginalized Israelites. And so this, this place that, that God's people brought the tithe, they knew, and, and there's so many beautiful things in this. What I want you to grab a hold of is, is the law is not, is, is not the doldrums of the tithe. The law is this beautiful expression of, of how God invites his people in all kinds of seasons to worship him through the tithe. There's a commentator named Daniel Block, and he wrote this about what Moses describes in the tithe in, in chapter 12 and 14 of Deuteronomy. He, he, he notes that Moses uses these, these words for God's people, that you may bring and you may give to the Lord your God. That, that this place that first of all, that people would understand, this is a privilege. Like in this relationship between God and man, we are the benefactors. Like we're, the, we're the ones that, that, that are overloaded. We, we get in this today and it is this place of like, Lord, I don't, ha I don't have anything in my life other than my worship and my heart and my life fully laid down to you. I have nothing else to give. I have nothing else to offer. And it's this understanding, this is a privilege that the God of the universe, Moses is trying to wake God's people going, do you get it? Do, do you see the God of the universe wants you to be present with him in this moment? He's in this for a relationship with you. The second is it is an invitation of worship. It's an invitation of, of praise and this offering that comes out of our hearts. And then the third, these chapters, they give us this place where Moses says, hey, I want to remind you, if you're too far away, we're, we're, don't miss the celebration. Don't miss that this is to be a life-giving time for the community. So the Old Testament concludes with this. I think sometimes we get into te teaching on tithing and we go straight to Malachi. Malachi is the culmination of God's perspective as he speaks prophetically for what was going to happen as John the Baptist and Jesus stepped into the earth. God is giving his perspective. What does he say about his perspective? He says that, that when the tithe is, is forgotten, that it's stealing or robbing. But he also it says that it's also the vehicle of return to him. That it's a test for God's people and that there would be healing for their hearts in it. This is chapter three, verse six. I am the Lord and I do not change. That's why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return when we've never gone away? This is God's reply. You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes in the storehouse where there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out blessings so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. 
Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So right before we get to Jesus, right before Jesus steps in, God says, Here, here's my perspective of this practice. Now, again, I, I want to graciously bring you back to the place. Paul says, we started with this. You must decide in your heart. Listen, you are under the covenant of grace. You are under an outflow and an outpouring of grace that has transformed humanity. And, and we're part of that. It means that, that, that what we do in the giving that comes out of our lives is not like giving to a fertility God. You, you've seen those things. Like, like, if I do this, this, and this, then I get this. The grace of Jesus has delivered us from that. We have been birthed into a kingdom of grace where the generosity of our God fills our hearts and then comes out of us, transforming lives around us. I want to finish with four places that happen in tithing. Tithing allows me a consistent place to be present with God. The Israelites did this once a year. Culturally now, most of us receive our paychecks either twice a month or once a month, and there, there is this place of, of regularity. And, you know, I get asked this question a lot, like, hey, Josh, what does your, your daily time with the Lord look like? And, and internally, I'm always like, you don't want to know. Because it's, sometimes it's like people have this idea, like the angels of God show up at my house, and they keep my children asleep so I can go up on the mountain and be with God. And I start to hit the snooze button and an angel blocks my finger and pulls me out of bed. No, it's real life. But we, we have this infatuation with like, give me the formula. What, what does it look like? What does it look like to be so disciplined in God? Like you're missing the point. We pass and we, we go, to, we go to, to this place of like, hey, what's the daily routine? What does that look like? And we miss this place that we've been invited to, to be present with God, saying, God, I bring you all that I have. I bring a tenth of all that you bless. Everything I have is from you, but God, here it is. I bring it to you. And he wants to meet you in that place. What, what a beautiful invitation and he says, would you be present with me? There's a consistent place that you can be present with me. The second thing is tithing frees us from comparison. And we get into these things and, and we, can, we can go down the road of going like, oh, I don't have enough to do that. And, and, and man, that person over there, like I saw the car and I, and I know like, I, I just can't give compared to them. Tithing frees us from comparison. And anyway, the comparison thing is, is that's a faulty place anyway. Like there's no life in that. Actually, there's no room for God in that. Because if you live, and, and forgive me, I have a little personal annoyance where people are like, oh, 
well, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, volunteer in kids because I'm not just good. With, I'm not good with kids. Like, well, go a little deeper than that. Like, do we only do the things that we're good at? Do we only do the things because what room is there for the miraculous for God to meet you? Listen, this church is going to continue by this truth. I'm not going to sacrifice being the husband that God's called me to be and the father that he's called me to be. And we can look at this church and there are a lot of times where I'm like, Lord, I don't got it. And what he replies with is, thank you. I've been waiting for someone to give me room for the miraculous. So sidebar from that, tithing, it's this place. It's not about comparison. And really when we get into it, the third thing is that it's public before God. You know, we're doing things like like today and and Steffi's here with with the Immokalee Pregnancy Center and, and we want you to know about those things. We want you to know that we're engaged locally and globally, but but the Word of God also gives us boundaries that we're not to be really public about how we give. And so our purpose is to to make you aware of about 10 to 20% of what we give into. Because that's where Scripture says, hey, we're not doing this to impress each other. We're not doing this to try to win a contest. We're not doing this for the eyes of man. We're doing it for the obedience of God. Tithing's not like that. Tithing is this wonderful place where God says, come publicly. Worship me together with this. Like next week, if you come in and you, you just got your offering and you're like, you're tithing and you're bringing it in. And you're like, check it out, baby. Everybody look, here's the container, I'm putting it in. Like this is a wonderful place that God says, worship me in this, be public about it. And we miss this. The last thing that I want you to see is tithing reminds us to remember. Listen, remembrance is not a spiritual gift. The perspective that God has of our lives, the perspective that all that we have from him is not a magic pill moment. Stop waiting on the Holy Spirit to just touch your mentality and go like, oh, now I see it. Everything I have is from him. There must be practices where we stop and we recognize, God, all that I have is from you. And when we do that, the the, the possessions of our life, the things that, that fill our lives that we look at, that under mammon, under the God of mammon, that value goes to, to such ungodly places. But under the generosity and the grace of Jesus Christ, possessions find their true value. I see this over and over when, when we get in this practice and we stop and we start to, to, be, to remember what he has done. I'll give you a great example. Ann and I were given a car when we were first married. We needed a car. Someone gave us a ugly, ugly red Taurus. A hoopty of a car. And every time I got in it, you know what? I didn't care at all because all I saw and felt was the blessing of God. 
in the faithfulness of God. Now here's the beautiful thing. I didn't sell that. I could not sell that car. That was a blessing. And so I got to bless somebody else with it. And it was so freeing. What happened there? Something that someone would try to attach a value to was cut away from mammon and was brought into the covenant of grace in God and found its true value. This is the place of our lives. This is where the Lord wants to unlock us. Let me end with this thought. How is the capacity of your life filled with thankfulness? How is it filled with remembrance? At what part of your life, because this is the discipline, this is a skill we are either developing or that we are losing in. Is there a skill of remembering the goodness of God? Because he wants to meet you in that. He wants you to be able to look back over the time of your life and to see. Anna and I, just our short moments before this weekend, we're going, we were given a piano. Anna, Anna was, she, she loves to play piano. She wants to play piano. She wants to, to, to just go to this, this place. So we have a piano before for her, okay? Like, I, I heard that and I was like, baby, we got six kids. And I don't want to listen to them bang on a piano. But God overrules me all the time. And so he gave us a piano. Someone just gave us a piano. Breathed a bunch of life into my wife's heart. What does that piano represent? That represents the faithfulness of God that he sees and he hears and he provides. It's not under mammon. It is under the grace of Jesus Christ. And it's from that place that Paul says, you must decide in your heart how you should give. Bow your heads with me. Lord, there are those that are here that, Lord, they've been stuck in trying to be a good person, trying to win favor from you and want to know that they're secure and that that their eternity is with you because they've been a good person. And God, the covenant with Abraham frees us from that place of striving and brings us to this place of understanding that it is by faith in you, belief in you, that we are saved, that we are made righteous. So I want to ask you here and in Cape Coral, if you are here and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you've lived in that place going, I, I got to work for this. I got to prove to God that I'm good enough and that's how I get to heaven. If that's you and, and God is freeing you right now and you say, Josh, I see it. I want to respond to that. I believe in Jesus. Would you raise your hand? Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. I want to give just, just a few more moments. Anyone else? Anyone else going, thank you. A life of striving is too much. It will crush you. Religion will crush your soul. The grace of Jesus Christ will meet you with his life and transform you. 
right where you're at. I I wanna pray and I want you to pray in your hearts right now. Whisper this to the Lord. Lord Jesus, thank you for the grace of God. I believe in you as the Son of God who died for my sins. Lord, I receive your gift of righteousness. I receive what you alone can give. And Lord, right now is, Lord, this church family here and in Cape, God, we pray over every single one that is responding to you today. God, I pray that they would know in the way that you speak to their heart that you've wired them for connection with you. Transform their hearts today, God. Meet them, affirm them. We worship you, Lord. We praise you for it. And God, I I bring every single one, Lord, those that have have been in the practice of tithing, but, but, but Lord, have missed and skipped these present moments with you, have skipped the remembrance. God, I pray that there would be a meeting of their hearts and you, Holy Spirit that you would connect with them afresh and anew, God, that the gratitude of our lives that we've been created to live with, knowing you as our source and seeing our life free from the spirit and the curse of mammon, God, would that fill and transform us today. And Lord, I pray for every single one that's wrestling, going, God, what is a vision for giving? God, I pray that not from condemnation, not from shame, but in the freedom of a heart touched by Jesus that they would have a vision of generosity and giving. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like more information or would like to connect with us, visit us at oceanchurch.com. We love you and hope you join us soon online or at one of our campuses located in Southwest Florida.